What up, folks? What it do? Welcome to another episode of the Best Advice Ever podcast with your guy, me, Mike Goodwin, the bow tie comedian. And as I do every episode, I start with the On the Road Again segment. And I must start this particular segment by saying, the champ is here! The champ is here! Now, I wasn't on the road this week for performing. I was on the road for my business, working on my business and not in my business. That's a very important concept for entrepreneurs, even for folks that are just living life. If you're in a marriage, there's sometimes that you need to think about working on your marriage and not in your marriage. If you're a parent, you got to think about working on your parenting and not being a parent. And so that's what I was doing this weekend. I was, I was, I'm a part of a group called the TSP mastermind. Been, a, been, a, been associated with this group for a number of years, the way that I got connected. It was with my wife and, and her business and our was all our business. But initially when she was working on it, confidence by Gabby Bowles of Gabby Bowles that was once called, but now it's, it's confidence. I was introduced to TSP, which stands for Traffic, Sales, and Profit, which was started by Lamar Tyler and Ronnie Tyler, dynamic entrepreneurial couple. And for the last few years, maybe five years, and even going forward, we've been a part of a mastermind. Basically, a mastermind is a collective of business owners. And in our mastermind, there are a variety of types of businesses. You have product-based business, you have service-based business, you have six-figure businesses, seven-figure businesses, eight-figure businesses, on and on and on. And, and basically the mastermind is an assembly of these businesses to help them move from six figures to seven figures, from seven figures to eight figures, so on, so on, and so on, to help grow and scale and uh, provide a solid foundation. Also, this group is primarily made up of African-American entrepreneurs. I find it, I find it, we, we live in a very wild time where as a 47-year-old African-American man, when you start talking about race in some settings people are like what does race have to do with it why is it only and that's just wow i think and it and it's, it's it's especially wow if you don't evaluate the purposes of of why some of these things were created if you look at the historically black colleges and universities hbcus there will be folks that will say, well, why did these now still exist? Because we're integrated as a society and, and black people have the ability to go to school anywhere. 
And they're things that are called legacy. They're, they're families that have been much like at Clemson here in South Carolina. I know families that there's a legacy of attendance at Clemson. Their great, great grandfather attended there, their grandfather, their great, 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 and on and on, uncles, nieces. So there is legacy for communities that traditionally over a long span of time haven't had those resources and, and access. This group primarily, uh, TSP, it's, it's also a philosophy of nobody's coming to save us. And, and that's specifically to the African-American or even minority business owner. The government isn't coming to save you. The grants and well, just, there's, there's no entity that exists that's going to take your business and allow it to grow and prosper. You have to do that yourself. You have to establish a solid foundation. You have to be a thriving organization that is able to employ people in the community in which you live. And this is not even a, a, a racial component. Most folks are going to support the people that are in their community. You're going to help the people that look like you, that have a similar background to you, a similar experience to you. You tend to gravitate to folks that have more in common with you. And so that's the philosophy of this, of, of this particular organization. That there's not a lot of, Emphasis on growing black businesses and, and making sure that they're thriving and, and, and having the unique conversations. Again, I mean, we watch it, we watch it, we watch it unfold in front of our eyes every day. If, if, if any of you paying attention to the national championship game and women's basketball, I'm a big South Carolina fan. So we were knocked out by Iowa and Iowa and LSU played. And I can't go on my on social media without looking at Caitlin and um Angel doing the doing the you can't see me and and, and I, I've read a little bit of the comments and you know the the narrative of what, what people are saying and and what I feel to be what's happened. What people saying when 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 uh, Caitlin does it, it's competitive. It's good for the game. Angel Reese, she's a thug. She's arrogant. She's you know she's obnoxious. And you just watch this unfold right before your eyes. And I literally and I and I feel like this. I literally think and believe. Mm. that there are different worlds that we all live in. Like as an African-American man, I live in multiple worlds. If you did any research around the idea that W.E.B. Du Bois presented 
there's an idea that he 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 coined called double consciousness. And and it's for, for an African American, it's for an African American to acknowledge or realize that, hey, I live in a world that there may be different standards or expectations for me as a black person, but then me as an American. Those two things, there's a double consciousness. As an American, I feel a particular way. I, I saw it personally when I joined the military. You know, you grow, you grow up. You know, I grew up in, in South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina. So as a young person, we're very patriotic. You, you, you learn very early about that country, tears of thee, the American flag, the, the, the pledge of allegiance. You, 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 you grow up pretty. I love America pretty instantaneously. And then for myself, as I got older and I started looking at the history of America and I started looking at the three fifth compromise and I looked at slavery and I looked at Jim Crow and I looked at, and I had conversations with, with family members and, and people that pick cotton, they weren't slaves, but were basically sharecroppers to some degree. And you looking at this side of town versus that side of town versus just, I'm just beginning to, to take in information. And, and that's, that's part of what this conversation, uh, the idea of being woke is <laughs> that, that was made, that's been such a term that's been weaponized, but really for, and I don't even know if there's a, a like a basic <laughs> definition but the idea of being woke is just oh man i see things for what they are and not for what you would want me to have them appear to be i'm awakened i'm not in a in a slumber oh there are some challenges with policing in america there are some challenges with low income areas there is challenges between the achievement gap of of different ethnic groups of people they, they these things exist and they in many instances exist for a reason and then there's systematic i wouldn't say oppression but there are things that have been cooked in the oven of america that are just in our dna that's just what the fabric of our country is now, whether or not, ah, man, I, <laughs> whether or not, not whether or not, I, I do believe that we are far better than where we are, were. And I do believe that there has been progress and there is progress and we will continue to have progress, but it's not two things can be true at the same time. I can love America, which I do. I love America. I served for my country. But I can see injustice. I can see inequality. And I can identify even, even very quickly how people feel in their, their language, the words that they use, how they, how they communicate. So we live in a really wild 
time. <laughs> in, in saying all that, <laughs> the mastermind is an opportunity for business owners like myself to come in and be reconnected. Basically what happens every six months, there's a conference. So we'll have a conference in January. There's a conference in June. And then in between the conferences, every three months, the mastermind will come in for two days of learning. So it's basically a lifeline to keep you motivated, encouraged, determined, strategic about your goals and what you're trying to accomplish in your business. So it's a, it's a pretty phenomenal, phenomenal group. Say that to say all of this, this past week we were there, we were in Atlanta. And not only do we learn, because we spend the bulk of the day from about 9 to maybe 4.30 with content, content around business, anything that probably falls under the bucket of traffic sales and how to maximize your profit, how to generate more traffic, how to get more sales. With this particular time, we had a, a presentation by the, the king of webinars. This guy is the Timberland of webinars. That's his, these were his words. He is the man, the guy by the name of Jason Flanlin. Tremendous. Matter of fact, the best advice ever of the day comes from Jason Flanlin. However, we do all of this content, learning, networking but then there also is time for us to really connect and make bonds socially so the first night that we were there under in, in the program we had a casino night they got a ballroom brought in a group they gave us two hundred dollars of fake money we had some chips and man i stayed at that blackjack table from the time i got there to the time that it ended now the way that the games were played. I think there was a blackjack table. There was a poker table. There might have been a craps table or something else. But I stayed at the blackjack. I did, I did not move from the blackjack table. I was being very favored in my <laughs> in my hands. Also, I tipped the lady that was dealing. So that 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 went a long way in in the in the foo in the fake foe the foe the full casino night because it wasn't real money. It was, it was, it was chips that uh, lent to getting you raffle tickets on raffle tickets. And the number of raffle tickets I got was, it was offensive. People were very upset and I won. There were three prizes. I won on Wednesday night. So then on Thursday night, similar thing. We had training all that day. Then we went to a place called main event in Atlanta, they rented it out, had food, DJ was there, and it's basically a big Dave and Buster's VR, bowling. There was a, I guess we, I forgot what those things are called, but you get strapped in and you walk across a zip line, but I don't know if they zipped anywhere. I think it was just being up high. Well, in that instance, they had the shot, the shot. I don't even know what it's officially called, but you, you shooting, you shooting baskets and you, you're trying to get the high score. And I think there was a high score given for ski ball, basketball, 
and maybe bowling. And I had all intents and purposes of not participating. I probably was just going to go put up a little nice score, let people know that your boy got some skills, and then I was going to keep it moving. But the competitor in me, I, I, I'm a lot. I'm a lot. So I already was feeling pretty high on my win from Wednesday. And so I got I got roped into the basketball and I wasn't it wasn't going well. Like I got over there. I wasn't shooting fast enough. And then some of the baskets, they scored a little bit different. So I think I got on one of the lower scoring baskets. I don't know if it was scoring one per shot and then there was others that were scoring three. But I, I'm not paying attention to the score when I'm shooting. But when I get to the end, I look at my score and I'm at like 36. And then I'm looking at other folks and they're in the 80s and the 70s. And so I figured out, okay, which ones are the ones that, you know, that, they, that has the score that people are getting high scores on. And the high score for a very long time was 86. But what happened, the guy shot that before the official tallying time so i think the tallying time was from like eight to nine or something so he comes back i think he gets an 86 no he gets 85 85 is the high score and i'm sucking man i'm not doing well i'm i'm getting 79s i'm getting 60s i'm sweating i got this long sleeve shirt on it's not going well for your boy but i'm determined so I break away from the shooting. I actually talked to this woman about something I'm interested in doing personally for my business. So I'll talk more about that in the future. But when I return, I got locked in. I might have hit like 78. I was like, okay, feeling pretty good. Then I went up and they're still like the guy that got the score. He basically went and enjoyed the rest of his evening. He wasn't, he wasn't there looking to see if it was a threat. He felt like that 85 would win the night. And I got up there with probably about five minutes left, and I shot an 87. I was trying to get 90. Like, I was, I was trying to get 100. So I won that. So the champions here, like the competitive nature of Mike Goodwin, just couldn't be denied. But again, this, this organization has been so, so important to me for the growth of not only my business, but just myself personally. I, mean, I might have talked, to this, talked about this before, but there hasn't been much. I, I just never even saw myself as an entrepreneur. That wasn't even something that hit my radar. And my, my goal was to get a good job. That's the that's the American dream. You, you get a, a house, you have 2.5 kids, and you get a good job and you retire. And that was kind of my, my goal. I, my whole desire was to become a dean of students at a university. That was what I was on track to accomplish. Then I started this comedy and I found myself being a comedian for a very long time. And I made a, a very big pivot in my business when I stopped seeing myself as a, as a comedian or an artist solely. And I started seeing myself as an entrepreneur. I stopped seeing myself as the talent. 
and I started seeing myself as an owner. When you're the talent, you focus on gigs. That's a very limited view. You gigs, and then and and then it's solely gigs. You may sell some merch, but it's basically who's gonna bring me into this gig for me to do my thing, not hey, let's let's find a venue. Let's market and sell these tickets. Let's create something. When you when you're an artist, you're creating the act or or, or the the concert. What what people will come and consume. But when you're an owner, you're thinking about all the pieces of it. You're thinking about getting the word out and how do you generate buzz. I remember it's been a few years ago. But Kevin Hart was getting a lot of flack from movie movie theaters or movie companies because he was charging them to use his social media to market for the movies that he was in. I think up until that point, and I, and I really need to go back and take a look at, at this in particular, especially with social media. I think to that point, if you were in a movie... I think this is one of the biggest beefs that Monique had with Precious, the movie Precious, was that she had to do all of this, all this promo and press, and she wasn't being compensated for it. So they had a press junket in Paris or at various places, and and I don't I don't even know all the details. I don't know if they paid for the flight. They would get you there and, and 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 house you, but maybe that's it. And so as a comedian, especially, is it more profitable for me to go to Paris and, and be in this press junket or to be here doing shows in the States? And do I counsel an engagement I have to go and promote this movie? It becomes very, very tricky to navigate those waters and I think with Kevin Hart he had built such a, a social media follow and he said okay I have no problem using my platform or, or sending or, or even promoing the movie to my audience but you're going to have to pay for that this is the same as marketing if you were going to get a commercial at the Super Bowl or if you were going to get radio ads and that's what an owner thinks about the talent doesn't think about those things so that's why this group has been very beneficial to me. Again, on the road, just continues to take more and more <laughs> of the podcast. But quickly, here's the best advice ever. And it, and it came from the guy that was we were learning from this week, Jason Flanlin. And the best advice ever is something he shared with us, and it said, and it, and it is. Fear that which gets in the way of service. Now, this, again, was directed to business owners. Fear that which gets in the way of service. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, think about those things. Like, what is the thing that restricts you from getting your message out or getting your service out or your product out? Are you spending far more time wondering what CRM you're going to use than actually getting the message out. 
Are you spending more time evaluating things that do not impact the client that you serve? Fear that which gets in the way of service. For me as a comedian, I remember early, we were talking about a, a, a show that we had coming up and I was talking about what I was going to wear, my suit. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have this and then I'm going to wear this particular bow tie and an opportunity to got it. Mentored me, got me into comedy, basically was like, your act needs to be where you put the most focus on. So I'm sure you're going to have a nice suit. I'm sure it's going to be cool. But what about those jokes? What your jokes are going to look like? Another way to think of this is keep the main thing, the main thing. Coach Don Staley says that. But fear that which gets in the way of service, whether it's if you're church and you're talking about speakers and not even speakers, not like people that come in to talk, but you're talking about um, the code that people will need to get inside of the bill, like things that get in the way of ultimately serving the population that you're trying to serve. You can get bogged down in the minors and things that don't matter. You could be busy, but you can be unproductive, very active, actively, moving the needle nowhere. So fear the things that get in the way of service. That is the best advice ever for the day. As I wrap up, man, I hope y'all have been enjoying the podcast. I really try to provide something that which you take your mind off things. I, I, I've been really kind of looking at like who is the podcast designed and I'm trying to create kind of the mission statement, but I, I think my goal is for people to have an ability to just disconnect for a second and come in here. Some of my rants, some of the things that I'm talking about because life be life in life is life in out here. I, the, the older I get, the more I understand that we are all in a fight. <laughs> everybody's fighting something. I'm talking to a buddy of mine. He got some issues going on about what it would have sent his children to school. And that's a fight. It's a, it's a challenge. I have challenges going on with my parenting, like my parenting, parenting, my children, and then my parents, especially my father, specifically my father and, and trying to support, and be mindful of the next steps as it relates to an aging parent. And and a, it's somebody who's not uh, being very, uh, he's not even cordial. He's not even really participating in assisting us, his children, and helping him navigate through some of the challenges that he's facing. Life be life, man. So hopefully you can come over here and get a laugh, get a smile, and keep it moving. I do have an IG hack before I let you out of here from the mind of Mike.
I don't know if y'all, you know, I watch Instagram pretty regularly, but I find this, I found this account where the person was basically giving you hacks on the service industry in terms of when you're booking rooms. And that's just recently happened to me. Air, airline flights and reimbursements and those things. Well, I had a situation where I thought I was responsible for booking a room for an event, for an engagement. And I found this out at the last moment, like not a lot of time, maybe it wasn't even, you know, really 24 hours. Let's say check-ins at three. I'm navigating this around eight o'clock in the morning. But there's rooms available at the hotel. So I go and I, I book. I book a room. Then I talk to the client and the client says, oh, we have a room for you. Now I have a room booked. But now I'm up against that. You know, you can't really cancel a room. You know, it's like the no refund type scenario. It was like, hey, you can you can cancel this room the day before at noon. And so like I'm in, I'm in the actual payment situation. Like there's either, is either you cancel and there's a portion of money that goes to the cancellation fee or you go and stay in the room and you pay the whole fee. So I, I had seen a, a hack on Instagram basically said when you're in that scenario and you've missed the deadline to cancel, all you have to do is extend, change your date to a date that's further out, somewhere in the future. So if if, if it's March the 1st, just reschedule that same booking for April the 3rd. Get the confirmation April from 3rd, a month from now, and then you can cancel the booking without penalty. That was pretty ingenious. I, and I actually executed it. I did it. I had, a, I booked it. I thought I would have to book it. I, you know, it was one of those things again, at the last minute, you're like, Oh man, I didn't do anything for the room. Booked the room, found out I had a room. I moved the booking date to the future. Canceled the booking. No harm, no foul. Well, hopefully it's been a great, great episode. Hope you've enjoyed the best advice ever podcast. It did get a little heavy. At the top, uh, those are just things that's on my heart. And I, and I will share, I, I do, I don't, I don't love talking about race and racial things. I don't love it. I, I, I'm proficient at it. Like I've lived it and I talk from a place of like trying to communicate. It's similar in my marriage. If my wife always told me things that I need to change. And then I'd say, you just need to get over that. I don't, I don't mean anything by that. You, you're taking this the wrong way. And sometimes that's how conversations around race is like, people are saying things. You're like, oh, oh that, why does everything have to be? Why is it a race car? Why is, that's not how it is. That's not what they meant. That's not what they said. Instead of saying, oh, let me take a look at that and evaluate what you're saying. Oh, oh, I can see how that, I can see how that could cause a problem. I could see how you would feel that way. And and and, and I'll say the last piece about this. If, if you're a person that find yourself in these conversations around race, and oftentimes when I'm having the conversations, 
people will say, okay, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, sometimes you don't need to do anything. There's no solution. There's just, this needs to be an understanding. And I think when, when you're having these conversations, you're like, I'll oh, get it. It's bad. So what are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? Also presents a challenge. And I, I and Mike, me, I, I'm not a victim. I'm not a person that is going to continue a narrative of any oppression, defeat, you know, any, all oh, the reason I didn't do it because no, that's not, that's not who I am. I'm going to excel. I'm going to win. I, I, I have the, I'm the righteousness of Christ. I, yeah, I'm a man of faith. Like I, I'm going to be great. We're going to make it. It's going to be all right. That doesn't mean I don't understand the dynamics of the conversation. And I haven't had lived experience. I have. I've had real life experiences that have textured the way that I see the world in a particular way. And that's not right or wrong. That's just what life has presented. And and I, I'm, I'm very well able to have discussions with our folks getting heated, personal, argumentative, to say, hey, this, this is the position that I'm coming from. And, I, and I'm hope, hopeful I've communicated this in a way that you can you can see my position, where I'm, where I'm coming from, and why people would feel that particular way. Well, thank you all so much for checking in with me. Check out all the things on social media. Mike Goodwin, I'm at Bowtie Comedy on Instagram and Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. I'm at Comedian Mike Goodwin. Go to my website, MikeGoodwin.com, backslash updates if you're not on my email list. There's going to be information coming out about the fall tour. It's from my perspective as a family man. I'm a family man, and I don't really see a lot of that when I look out in the entertainment landscape. A man that loves his wife, loves his children. No controversy, no scandals. Well, thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode. Have any questions, you can email us at info at comedianmikegoodwin.com. Thank you so much for checking in with me you have just listened to another episode of the best advice ever podcast you didn't have to be here but i appreciate you until the next time it's your boy mike Goodwin. peace